Hello and welcome to the Bible Difficulties and Answers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Smith. Today we dive into a really interesting verse, Genesis 1:27, where Adam and Eve real people. To outline our discussion today, I think it's important to focus on two main areas. Number one, the scientific and biblical explanation for an actual Adam and Eve. And two, the equal and the special creation of just a male and female sex. As usual, I'll present a number of different opinions from my research and conclude with my own thoughts. Show notes will include links to all we discuss. Are you ready to dive in? Let's learn together. Genesis 1.27 for the New Living Translation. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now the problem, and we always use the big book of Bible difficulties as our launching pad from their authors, Many modern scholars consider the first chapters of Genesis to be myth, not history. But the Bible seems to present Adam and Eve as literal people who had real children from whom the rest of the human race came, close quote. Now, there's so many questions here, like were Adam and Eve real people or were they just literary devices and poetic images? How do we reconcile this with science? And that's a lot for a 15 minute podcast. Let's start first and explore the first scientific and biblical explanations for an actual historical Adam and Eve. We'll explore first the theistic evolution claim as summarized in a February 1st, 2019 article by Stephen Meyer titled An Introduction to the Book Theistic Evolution, a Scientific, Philosophical, and Theological Critique. And I quote from the writer, in chapter 24, Colin Reeves examines the so-called complementary model for the interaction of science and scripture, commonly assumed by those who promote theistic evolution. This view of the relationship between scientific and biblical truth claims has led many theistic evolutionists to accept evolutionary claims about human origins uncritically. They do this, Reeves argues, because they assume that all scientific claims can be made complementary to biblical truth claims since the two different types of claims describe reality in two fundamentally different, non-intersecting, though complementary ways. This assumption has led many theistic evolutionists to deny biblical claims about the existence of Adam and Eve as real historical figures and to deny any discernible evidence of design and living systems. Instead, many theistic evolutionists reinterpret the biblical passages about Adam and Eve as allegories rejecting their existence as the first parents of the human race. Consequently, they also doubt on the doctrine of the fall and undermine the biblical rationale for the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. Reeves argues that the complementary model, in effect, sanctions this doctrinal revisionism because, in practice, it demands the subordination of scriptural claims to scientific claims. In contrast to the Reformation, with its emphasis on the primacy, authority, and clarity of Scripture, <laughs> that's an emphasis that actually played a key role in the development of modern science, close quote. Back to me. This is a tortured way of looking at Adam and Eve. Any theory that forces one to, quote, reinterpret, unquote, Scriptures to fit their own narrative is just too problematic. But still, a scientific way of viewing Genesis 127 does give us our clearest answer without having to resort to any sort of reinterpreting. So from a scientific basis, people ask how all of humanity can exist from just one male and one female. Certainly, it would need to come from a multitude of progenitors. 
This is a subject I could spend a lot of podcast episodes diving into the minutia of why this is possible, one male and one female progenitor. The best article with a strong summary, and as if you've heard me state in our introductory episodes, science is Christianity's best friend in explaining scripture, is what I'm going to reference here. The following excerpt is from a really strong article from October 1, 2010 by Fasel Rana. Were they real, the scientific case for Adam and Eve? And I'm only taking a small slice of the article, but I would encourage you to take some time and read it thoroughly. The link is provided in the show notes. From the article, and I quote, Lastly, the primary reason to think that humanity arose from a single pair does not rest on population estimates, but the fact that the Y-chromosomal and mitochondrial DNA sequences sampled from humans alive today trace back to single ancestral sequences. Again, these can be understood as reflecting an origin from a single man and a single woman. Even though genetic data traces humanity's origin origin back to a single woman and man, evolutionary biologists are quick to assert that a mitochondrial Eve and a Y-chromosomal Adam were not the first humans. Rather, according to them, many Eves and many Adams existed. Accordingly, mitochondrial Eve and Y-chromosomal Adam were the lucky ones whose genetic material just happened to survive. The genetic lines of the other first humans were lost over time. Now, while this explanation is not out of the realm of possibility, it is highly contrived. It would work if only a few of the first humans reproduced or were allowed to reproduce. If the data is simply taken at face value, the biblical model is the more parsimonious explanation. Even though evolutionary biologists offer ways to explain away the implications of the human population genetic data, these explanations, entrenched in naturalism, are not necessarily superior to an interpretation that fully squares with the biblical account. The scientific case for the scientific case for the biblical Adam and Eve stands firm. Close quote. Now this is in line with the solution back to the big book of Bible difficulties. And there's good good evidence to believe that Adam and Eve were real persons, and the authors give 10 reasons why. Number one, Genesis 1 through 2 presents them as actual persons and even narrates the important events in their lives, which equals history. Number two, they give birth to literal children who did the same. Number three, the same phrase, this is the history of, used to record later history in Genesis, is used of Adam and Eve. Number four. Later Old Testament chronologies place Adam at the top of the list. Number five, the New Testament places Adam at the beginning of Jesus' literal ancestors. Number six, Jesus referred to Adam and Eve as the first literal male and female, making their physical union the basis of marriage. Number seven, the book of Romans declares that literal death was brought into the world by a literal Adam. Number eight, the comparison of Adam who's the first Adam, with Christ, the last Adam, which we find in 1 Corinthians 15.45, manifests that Adam was understood as a literal historical person. Number nine, Paul's declaration that Adam was formed first, then Eve, from 1 Timothy, reveals that he speaks of a real person. And number 10, logically, there had to be a first real set of human beings, male and female, or else the race would have no way to begin. The Bible calls this literal couple Adam and Eve, and there's no reason to doubt their real existence. 
Now, from a May 11th, 2020 article by Mark Driscoll called, Were Adam and Eve Real People or Not? And I quote from the article here, One must deal with Jesus and his teachings. In March, Mark 10.6 and Matthew 19.4, Jesus refers to Genesis, speaking of God's order in creating Adam and Eve and relating that literal act to the institution of marriage. It's difficult to think that God himself, Jesus, could be wrong about his own creative event since he was there as the creator when it happened, according to John. Back to me. To deny the actuality of a literal Adam and a literal Eve thus puts the entirety of the Bible in dispute. The safe explanation is to always follow the science. And as I've heard it said, and my apologies as I cannot recall where, the saying is, if the science and the Bible conflict, then science has misinterpreted its data. The scientific case for a literal Adam and Eve is strong from my readings, and it matches with the biblical teachings as well. I'm convinced of its accuracy. However, there's a small detour I want to take with what's happening currently in culture. Genesis 127 is clear. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God created just and only two sexes, and the very small number of intersex cases doesn't undermine that. Sorry, folks, science trumps feelings here. They're just two biological sexes. And this verse is interesting as it says that male and female, he created them. From the beginning, God created both sexes in his own image. So what does that mean for today? For starters, there is nothing here that suggests that one sex is more important than the other sex. From an April 25th, 2021 article by Ryan Leisure called, Does God Treat Women Like Second-Class Citizens in the Old Testament? He writes, God's ideal, on the other hand, referred to his heart and on the matter and are universal in scope, meaning God's ideals are his desires for all people at all times. And a quick, quick examination of these ideals reveals that God is actually for, not against women. Consider Genesis 1.27, which claims, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. As a result of being made in God's image, both men and women are equally valuable to him. Back to me. And it also gives human beings a primacy that's not given to other aspects of creation. In essence, we are special because we are created in God's image. No other creation is created in God's image. From a June 6, 2016 article from Natasha Crane titled, How to Explain to Your Kids Why Some People Think Gorillas and Humans Are Equally Valuable, she writes, and I quote, Humans are fundamentally different from and more valuable than animals. Christians disagree over the age of the universe and God's creative method, but universally agree that human beings and no other creatures were created in his image. We are made to resemble God in a meaningful way that sets us apart from the animal world. We are rational, moral, and capable of having a relationship with our creator. That makes human life sacred and of infinitely more valuable than that of other cre uh, creatures. Close quote. Now, this continues on with a June 27, 2011 article by Jacob Alley titled, What About Gender Roles and Equality in Genesis 1 through 3? And he writes, and I quote, Genesis 1 through 3 sets the tone for God's purpose for male and female, and perhaps more specifically, husband and wife relationships. The account begins with forming both man and woman in the image of God. God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. Again, Genesis 1, 27. This fact automatically separates men and women from the rest of the created life forms as unique and special 
It assigns both male and female human beings a certain kind of dignity and value that is not given to the rest of the things God made. In value, men and women are equal on the grounds that they are image bearers of God. Close quote. Back to me. What a wonderful and special way to end our podcast. God created an actual Adam and Eve and made us all in the image of God. It's both a comforting and awe-inspiring thought and something that really should frame all our interactions with others, all of whom were made in God's image. I cannot wait for next week's episode. Hang on. We're going to look at Genesis 2.1, and that is, how could the world be created in six days? You may reach us at our website, bibledifficultiesandanswers.podbean.com, or you may reach out to me directly at our email address, bibledifficultiesandanswers at gmail.com with any questions, comments, concerns, bits of righteous indignation, or just to say hi. Also, please like and subscribe to this podcast and also write a review and give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeart, or your podcast venue of choice. It really does help get the word out about the most amazing book ever written. Again, I am Lance Smith. Until next time, I wish you good luck, good health, and God bless. So long, everybody.